Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Cara and Alessandra. Hello everyone and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. Today we have a very special guest dear to Alessandra and I's heart. We have Jatendra Gwendon. And Jatendra has been instrumental in both my meditation journey and Alessandra's. Um, just as a little background, as far as Alessandra and I go, we came to meditation at the same time without knowing each other. Um, we were both living in separate places and had never come across each other. And we both enrolled in a class called Lessons in Meditation. And that is a class provided by Ananda.org. And it's an online class that teaches you meditation. And so I know when I start, I was very, very thirsty for meditation. It was something that had um, been floating in and out of my life, my whole adult life. And it had never stuck because I didn't have that pole star. I didn't have a method or a teacher to um, help keep me tethered. And I realized that was what was lacking. And I really knew that I wanted to um, dive deeply into meditation. And I knew that that was the missing piece for me. So I found Paramhansa Yogananda and I found Ananda.org. And um, I signed up for this class, and I can't tell you how excited I was. I really felt like I was put in on a track by a higher power. And um, Jatendra was one of our teachers, one of our online teachers. So he is a monk at Ananda in the Expanding Light in Northern California. And we wanted to bring him in to just understand his his journey because he started, um, you know, with a, uh, he started on the other side of the country for one thing and, you know, didn't grow up in spiritual community. And, um, I always get interested in, uh, when he starts talking about, you know, he'll give little snippets here and there online on the online meditations that we do in the online courses that Alessandra and I still participate in. And so, I'm just really curious to hear the journey, and that's that's the purpose today, and for him to just infuse our podcast with his beautiful energy. So, um, yeah, welcome, Jatendra. Yeah. Welcome, Jatendra. We're very glad to have you with us. And like Cara just said, we have heard bits and pieces here and there. We know that surfing has been, or and still is, in your heart. We also heard about movie career in New York City. But here you are, in the forest, in a spiritual community. Um, and I don't think none of us actually know how it started for you. So mm. what brought you on the path? What yeah, well, take us thank back you. There? Yes, I'm happy to, to journey back in time with you both. And just to say, I am a big fan of what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's... Um, in so many ways, doing so so much good work. 
with reaching out to people in different ways and just uh yeah it's just so beautiful to see how you're you're serving and becoming more and more a, a channel for this grace and blessing that you know grows through your meditation practice and sharing it with others well thank you, thank you. <laughs> um yeah so my journey my journey first originally started probably like many people uh where i uh, well, in fact, it really started where I was on a, a path toward going into graduate school and very, very passionate to lead a life dedicated toward becoming a clinical psychologist. And specifically, I was very interested in working with drug addicts. So I really felt this huge passion to uh, help them in, in so many different ways. And so that passion was really strong. And so I went through college and I was going into graduate school. I basically had a career all set up for me based on all of the um, undergraduate research projects I was working on and the connections I was making in the field. And then I was just on that, that in that period of time where I was just about to launch into that, that next phase into graduate school and all of that. And I just, I literally woke up one morning and I was working at a, a supermarket, you know, Italian specialty store, which was really mm -hmm. fun. And I had to be there really early in the morning. And so I was, I was paying my way through college and I had this job and, and, and this so was in Rhode Island. This was in Rhode Island. Okay. Yes. This was in Rhode Island. And I just woke up one morning and I remember I shifted my legs over to the side of the bed in preparation for standing up and going to work. And I had this just moment to, and it just was this immediate realization that no, this is not actually my life. This is not my life. My mm -hmm. life is, my life is different than what it looks like and where it's heading. And it was just this immediate realization that I needed to, to make a big shift. So I pulled out of everything. I pulled out of the track into graduate school the whole career that I had worked really hard, for, you know, in terms of leading a life, you know, dedicated toward becoming a clinical psychologist, everything I just pulled, pulled away. I packed my surfboards and my clothes in a, you know, surfboard bag and I just took off and I actually moved to New Zealand. Um, I never and, knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and which year was this? Like, when did this happen? This was in 2003. Hmm. Why New Zealand? Well, New Zealand had really amazing surf. I knew that. Um, it, it called my heart. I, <clears throat> I think a couple of years previous to 2003, I had watched a surf video that featured New Zealand as, you know, the focus. And even watching this video, I felt it calling to me in my heart. And so naturally when I woke up this morning and I had this immediate realization that my life does not look like this. There's something else trying to happen that is important to honor. And that's when it was strong enough that New Zealand was a part of that call in my heart. So I immediately, I think it was that day, I just, you know, dropped everything, packed all my stuff, bought my ticket, I uh, tried to get some friends to come with me, but no one wanted to go. 
So then I just took off. And that's when I really got on the spiritual path, when I moved to New Zealand and in some way renounced the life that I had been leading up until that point. So what did it look like back then when you say you were getting on the spiritual path? Were you already meditating? Were you doing yoga? Or When I was in New Zealand, I was not meditating. <clears throat> when I first came to New Zealand, it was a period of adjustment to living a life that uh, I basically I was a surf bum, <laughs> to be honest. When I went <laughs> to New Zealand, I didn't have a job. I had saved some money and I just wanted to be free. And so I was a surf bum. I ended up teaching surfing lessons for many people who are traveling all around the world through New Zealand. Um, and I really started to, you know, meet a lot of people. And But just naturally in New Zealand, I, after maybe a few months, three, three months there, I just, I can't remember why, but I just remember trying to meditate. I found myself many times sitting on my bed, closing my eyes and just trying to meditate. And I remember also that I would close my eyes and, and inwardly reflect, am I, am I doing it? Am I meditating? What's, what's happening? But there's just something that was, I think, calling to me to, to practice meditation. And so I started meditating a little bit uh, in New Zealand on my own without any guidance. Um, but then also I think that I had you know, several spiritual experiences through surfing in New Zealand where I, you know, experienced moments that transcended time that brought me to a place of deep uh, connection and joy to something that was even beyond the surfing, beyond being in New Zealand. There was something just starting to, to percolate. And so that's when I first kind of started, I think, feeling and experiencing something deeper within myself that was expressing through, you know, being in New Zealand and starting to meditate and just living a different life than I was living. Hmm. So you said that was about three months. Is that your time in New Zealand or was it after about three months that you started uh, or that you finished being in New Zealand? I was, I lived in New Zealand for over a year um but i just i started meditating after being there a couple of months or a few months and how that happened i don't know Mm -hmm. but i just remembered that there was something that there was a veil in some way that started to lift Mm -hmm. and i think that when that veil started to lift by i think the veil started to lift because i was open and receptive to what was trying to happen Mm-hmm. And I followed that inner guidance, that inner voice that spoke to me that morning and said, this is not where you should be going. And so I, by honoring that, I think it started this process to unfold. This opening. Yeah, that's, it's amazing because I, when I, I don't know a lot about New Zealand. It's a place that my husband is very drawn to and wants to um, go on vacation at some point. So it's always, it always mm. comes up with us when we think about where to go. Nice. Um, but I imagine, and from what I've seen of it, it's very naturey. It's not very densely populated. And mm-hmm. if you're spending so much time in the water, I imagine mm-hmm. you're immersed in a very natural environment, which is very, you know, 
soul centering and um, kind of helps the soul float float up to um, consciousness, you know, our conscious awareness. So I don't know if, if you've, you mentioned you had a couple of, you know, transcendent experiences in the surfing, but I don't know if, if that helped in any way or yeah absolutely yeah i mean i think surfing in the ocean i mean i think nature has a tremendous role to play in life for each and every one of us to uh to understand more about who we are i think you don't have to necessarily be a surfer but if you listen and you commune with nature through gardening or surfing or just going for a walk a like being conscious in nature going going through a you know a nice walk in the woods or whatever it is but if you're consciously trying to connect to nature in whatever way you can i think nature has a, a message for us and i think it's a message that is something that the soul can easily hear and attune to and it's very important i think for us to seek that and for me my outlet was surfing and but i think that for everyone it just finding that that connection to nature, which does open many doors within us that I think it's very difficult to, you know, find ways to open those doors. Mm. Um, and it's a very easy, joyful way to, to start that process. And so for surfing, for me, I don't think the surfing itself was the actual, um, the source of the awakening, but mm -hmm. rather it was more the catalyst that, by immersing myself in that, it allowed this, you know, process of trust in opening and and uh, uh, other things of the soul to begin to to shine through that veil. And so it was, uh, and it really, I think it's really, it helps us get to the present moment. To be able to live with present moment awareness is where that awakening really begins to happen for us. And so surfing is one of the beautiful gifts in my life that has helped me become very, very present in the moment, even in the midst of being in an ocean that is constantly moving. And, you know, the waves, you know, if they're really big, it's really in some way violent, actually surfing mm. out in the waves because it's loud and it's, but it's graceful and it's beautiful. And there, within all of that, there's moments of complete stillness even in the midst of all that movement. And I think that that's one of the gifts that surfing and also my experience in New Zealand uh, showed me in a deeper way, which definitely was important for me as I then moved forward on my path with, you know, greater willingness and readiness to take the next step on my spiritual journey deeper into this, you know, this call of the soul. So... And what was that next step? Because we know you were not, you're not in New Zealand anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was a very sad day when I had to leave New Zealand. It was, uh, I dreamt of New Zealand for like four months every <laughs> night, like crying. No, I want to go back. <laughs> And it was so tough. It was very tough. But Luckily, where I grew up in Rhode Island, there's really good surf in Rhode Island, which, you know, many people, especially in California, hearing this would think there's good surf in Rhode Island, but there is. So I, I of course, I returned home to uh, being with the ocean as well. So I was okay. 
but that's when everything shifted. I really began to uh, continue to follow this this inner guidance, and so I felt this new rush of creative energy that was flowing that was flowing through me. And so I had already been very interested in music uh, as well as filmmaking. When I was very young, um, my my mother and father had an, you know, a video recorder. And I used to, I was told by my parents that when I was even, I think maybe five years old or something, I would, I would take the video camera and hide it under my bed. And I would then, you know, because I wasn't allowed to use it at that time. <laughs> and I would just, they said that I would just go around and I would love just filming things. And, um, you know, so it was always a part of me of wanting to, there was an attunement to filmmaking, I think, even when I was very young. And so all of that energy that was there, that now had been revealed by this opening of this creative energy that was flowing, I very quickly moved uh, I joined a band with some of my best friends, five of my best friends, and uh, who were great musicians and very patient because I was not a great musician and I didn't know so much what I was doing. Uh, as So they were very patient with me, which I, God bless them. And what but kind they, of music was this? Uh, we were in a rock band, a five-piece okay. rock band. And, um, and like uh, heavy rock? No, it was very Beatles-esque. Um, oh, okay. It was, yeah, very, um, we were kind of considered indie rock. So okay. it was, you know, five, five-piece band, many harmonies and keyboard, drums, two guitars. I, I played guitar. And uh, it was just really, really an amazing time in my life. And, uh, and so with being in the band, we, at the same time, one of my best friends growing up, she uh, went to school for uh, to film school. And uh, so I quickly latched on to, to that happening. And so we started making films together. Hmm. And uh, very quickly after that, we the band actually was responsible for all of us moving to New York City because we really wanted to try to make it. We were really growing and uh, recording and things were going really well so in addition to that my friend and i wanted to pursue our film career more fully and so we all moved to new york city we moved to brooklyn and uh that was <laughs> that was a really special time as well because i really got out of my comfort zone one i was living in the concrete jungle in brooklyn <laughs> i was although quite the a ocean, contrast yeah but the ocean is of course uh, nearby, but it's it's a quite a journey to go there to get to the ocean and surf. So, I stepped back from surfing for this period uh, in New York, and I started really. I was working with a company mostly that um, worked in the music industry, uh, creating films and documentaries. And Danny Clinch, who is just such an incredible. Um, rock photographer and filmmaker I was lucky enough to get in with that mix uh, and do a lot of work with that company or people who were very close with that company and so I started really quickly developing this film career working in the mu music industry primarily and it happened very very quickly uh, for me 
And uh, at the same time, we were also trying to expand the band and things were going really well with the band. We were just on the, the uh, we were just getting closer to the step of broadening our touring and, and I had the same thing happen. I woke up one morning and I thought, nope, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it. So it was, I, I remember the evening I went into the living room and told all my best friends, my bandmates that I'm quitting the band and that I'm moving away from New York. And so I did. And, and was uh, the impetus for that a a spiritual call, would you say? It was, or was it just an unknown sort of reason? It was unknown at the time. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was a feeling in my heart that just, that this wasn't it, that this, this wasn't it. It wasn't fulfilling me at a deeper level. Of course, things were on the outside really fun and great and living that life was fun, you know, living in New York, but my heart just, it was knocking and it was saying, although this is really great, this is not it. You know, this is not it. There's something more trying to happen. And so I had heard that, of course, previously. So I honored that again and just, you know, I quit the band and they kind of understood. <laughs> um, and then I moved back to Rhode Island and I continued my film career because that was still very uh fresh and it was it felt really uh good and it felt in alignment with what was trying to happen so i traveled back to new york for a lot of jobs and i i, I made it work um but that's when i got on the spiritual path basically is after i moved back from new york city i got in a relationship very soon after i moved back um i kind of jumped back into my surf culture lifestyle Mm -hmm. And uh, I met a girl who, you know, it seemed like a real uh, a good thing at the time. And uh, but it was one of those great catalysts, which I bow to that uh, experience in my life. Although it was one of the most difficult times of my life, it was really probably one of the most precious times where I had a girlfriend who uh, the relationship was such that it pushed me to seek clarity and guidance from a higher source because it was a really uh, uh, difficult experience um, where I, I had no choice but to reach up my hands for help because it was uh, just not a, a, a good experience for myself or for her. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when I reached out. And uh, by reaching out, I found myself working with a shaman healer mm. who is now my most precious, precious, you know, best friends in the world. Uh, she, mm -hmm. her name is Kelly Doyle. And uh, she's a long, you know, she's been a long time devotee of Yogananda. And uh, my first time working with her doing some healing work uh, she gave me the autobiography of a yogi and she said, I think you might be interested in reading this. Mm. And so I thought, okay. And I did, I started reading the autobiography of a yogi and continuing my healing work with working with that path of Sir shaman healing and transformational breath work was one of the main focuses. 
And it was very quick after that that also I was introduced to Ananda. Uh, she said, you should come to Ananda. And at the time, Ananda had a community on the East Coast in Rhode Island. And so this was in 2006, 2006. And so I started going to Ananda. And very quickly, I realized that I was still working uh, there was things involved with my relationship to my girlfriend at the time that uh, I had to make some really difficult choices, um, which would impact her and just our, the, how things would unfold. And I quickly discovered, as I started medi at meditating and attuning to my guru, Yogananda, that my life completely changed. My heart, the, there was a door in my heart that opened up, which really in many ways was closed my whole life. Mm. Um, in some way, I remember when I was young, I used to write. Uh, I used to write screenplays when I was younger as well, which I thought was fun. And many times I would write about that I used to feel this oceanic, like oh, this ocean of love within me. But I felt that I no one understood or no one could connect to it. My relationships, like even the relationships to my parents and to everyone, that I I was unable to feel that anyone could really connect to that, or I had anyone to really share that with, because it was the nature of it was just different. So as soon as I got on the spiritual path, and that door opened, it was like a this flood of this oceanic love that I began to feel open up and flow, which really was my guru. And so my life completely changed at that time where then I had to make difficult choices, which I'd made, which really brought forth, I think, probably the greatest healing in my life so far. But also it helped my girlfriend at the time, I think, with directing, you know, what was the highest for, for both of us. And things, of course, then unfolded, I think, to the greater good. But that was really the time where my life shifted from identifying with my life as a surfer and all of these things. And it was like, no, actually, this is, this is what I've always been looking for. And so I very quickly just gave everything to it um, at that time. Hmm. So then that led you to moving to California, right? For, to the expanding light? Yeah. Well, then I, what happened for me is I continued living on the East Coast and serving with an You were a yoga teacher, right? I, I did do yoga teacher training and meditation teacher training. I started coming to California in 2007, 2007, eight. And uh, I, what brought me here actually was I was making a film about Ananda, a documentary. Oh, really? And because of my film career, I felt that was still actually very alive for me. And so I felt very in, this in, divine inspiration to make a documentary about Ananda. And so that's what actually brought me to Ananda Village for the first time, which I think was 2008, beginning of 2008. 
And that's when I met Swami Kriyananda for the very first time, which that moment of course was also a, a very big shift in my life with just that grace and blessing that I received from Swamiji. And so then I was on the East Coast for uh, up until 2012. I continued traveling to California for yoga teacher training and other trainings, but also continuing to uh, create this film that's called Happy All the Time, and it's not released yet, uh, but hopefully soon it will be. And then in 2012, I moved to India. Um, I, I My attempt was to move to India, which I, I took my vow to be a monk in 2012, and then went to India to live in the monastery there, uh, and also to be with Swamiji. Do you want to quickly explain who Swamiji is? Sure. So Swami Kriyananda is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, and he came to Yogananda and lived with him in California, in Los Angeles, for uh, a few years before Yogananda left the body. And Swami Kriyananda, who is the founder of Ananda, and in many ways, my relationship to him, and I think for most people, is he's a friend and a guide for us to, to learn how to attune more deeply to Yogananda, his teachings, and to go deeper on the spiritual path. And so he lived here at Ananda Village. He started this whole World Brotherhood colony and all the communities around the world. And he lived in, also in Italy and then also lived in India for much of uh, the year. And uh, I think that Swamiji still very much, he left the body in 2013. And, but very much Swami Kriyananda is still very much alive for many of us who are living at Ananda or a part of Ananda because that grace and blessing is still very much uh, available for those who wish to, to uh, tune into him and, and ask for his help and guidance, which for me is still very important. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you. So you were saying that you, you went to India and he was there? Yes. Yeah, so Swamiji, uh, he actually had a very large tour in 2012, which I think was probably divinely guided knowing he would be leaving the body just after that. And so he did these this big tour around India, which thousands would come to his talks. And um, so I wanted to be with him and be a part of that. So that's what happened is I, I asked him on his birthday in 2012, I said, Swamiji, I, I feel to do this. What do you think? And he didn't tell me yes or no, which was the common uh, response for many. But he said, I think that sounds like that could be a good idea. So I took that as a yes and <laughs> went for it. Uh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask, was that another thing that you just woke up from one day to another and felt like, because it seems like quite a shift, you know, going from New York City, film career, going to India, being a monk, that's quite a contrast. Or was it a process? And how did people react? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I've really reflected much on that, but I do think it was a more of a process of uh, a deepening desire to, you know, recently someone asked me that question of, you know, why did you become a monk? And my response really was that 
I didn't know what that was going to look like or uh, I didn't have so much the desire to be a monk, um, but rather my desire was I, I wanted to get closer to my guru. I wanted to feel more and more that my life was one that was dedicated more fully to serving my guru and just being open to be able to share this presence and love that I was feeling that he was, you know, uh, showering me with. I wanted to also share that with others and I wanted to do that more. And so I thought that one thing I saw was, well, one way to do this, of course, I see the dedication that comes with being a monk. Uh, so I think that was what I began, began to become interested in, you know, uh, the monks who were living in India. And I think when I was reading their blogs of their experience, I thought, yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. And so it was one more of a gradual process that I learned about what was happening in India with the monks. There was no monks here at Ananda village at the time. It was just in, in, happening in India. And so I thought, that's, I'd like to do that. Hmm. Um, that's really interesting. And I wonder if you want to take a moment to just clarify when you talk about your guru, um, because that may it may feel like to a listener that you're talking about Swami Kriyananda, but in mm. fact you're talking about Paramhansa Yogananda who left his body in in 1952. So do you want to clarify that a little bit for anybody who's unfamiliar? Yeah, good. That's a good thing to do. Um, so Paramhansa Yogananda, who came from India in 1920 to America, who he landed in Boston almost a hundred years ago. Uh, he came to America to bring this new dispensation of uh, the teachings of the East and show the world how through the practice of meditation and yoga, we can achieve through uh, this process of self-awakening through meditation that we can realize our true self, our higher self, our relationship to the divine and so Paramahansa Yogananda came and he traveled around the United States. He traveled around the world spreading the, these teachings, um, which, of course, uh, very quickly began to expand, especially through his book that he released, The Autobiography of a Yogi, which I would highly recommend anyone who has not had the chance to read that to check that out, because it's a really, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible um, resource of learning more about the potential of our human existence. And so Paramahansa Yogananda trained many disciples. One of them was Swami Kriyananda. And so Swami Kriyananda really, as being Yogananda's disciple, uh, continued the rest of his life spreading these teachings. And so for all of us at Ananda, as well as other organizations, we, uh, ha we have taken our discipleship uh, vow with Paramahansa Yogananda, that even though Yogananda left his body in 1952, one of the beautiful things that one learns is that the guru lives in your heart. It's not something that's dependent upon any outward form. And it's really through going inside that we begin to experience that 
that true living reality of the guru, which in some way all of us have this presence in our hearts, which you could consider it your higher self, you could consider it your soul. But the guru who is a channel for God, it's that personal gift in some way from God that comes to you who will dedicate their whole uh, existence toward helping you every step of the way until you get to that last step of realizing the true self. And so that commitment of unconditional love, that unconditional friendship and guidance is, is really there for, uh, for the disciple. And for me, Paramahansa Yogananda has been that for me, which I even see now more than ever that even before I awakened to his presence after reading the autobiography, after going to Ananda, that he was always with me. Even when I was a young boy, you know, thinking back at experiences that I had to go through, you know, I could see that, you know, his love was there, his his guidance was there. And so also all other previous incarnations, he was there also helping every step of the way. And does that help a little bit? Clarify? Yes. Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you. So, um, so you were in India, and mm -hmm. you had decided you wanted to take your um, monastic <clears throat> vow. Mm -hmm. And so, how long were you in India? I was only in India for about four months, okay. because I had sold all of my things here. Uh, well, in Rhode Island, I had sold all my possessions. And I left my job, I just left everything and went to India. But Divine Mother, my guru, had different, a different plan. So I was traveling all over India um, for about a month, month and a half, and then arrived in the ashram in Pune, where Swamiji lived, also where the monastery was. And just about that time, I got really, really sick. I, actually, I got typhoid in oh, India, wow. which was... Uh, not so fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was I not, bet. <laughs> it's a. It was a wonderful experience. I'll say that. Um, Very cleansing and purifying in its way. I'm sure. Totally, totally <laughs> was. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And so that was the time where I. It was really a time of purification and cleansing, and which was not easy. But at the same time, it was really removing a lot of things that needed to be removed to open my life up more to, you know, experience my true reality. And, and so, and also deepening my relationship to Paramahansa Yogananda. And so I just, I wasn't getting better after months of, you know, working with doctors. And it was clear that, you know, at the end of December, basically, um, <clears throat> I moved back to the United States and it took me another additional year, year and a half to actually get better, to restore my health. And so that's when, after India, uh, I came back to the States and then uh, recovered for about a year. And then I moved here to Ananda Village, which then there was a monastery that started here at the village and where I am now. Basically, the year I moved back from when I came back from India to the East Coast, the monastery started here at the village. So I thought, oh, great. So I recovered a little bit and then made my transition here. 
at Ananda Village in 2014. And we know you now that you served through Online with Ananda, where you helped, mm-hmm. I don't know, thousands, hundreds, not maybe hundreds. I don't know how many people come on for a typical class, lessons and meditations. Yeah. I remember we were quite many. Yeah, we have about 100 students each. So the course of lessons and meditation, which is a two-month course, uh, we have now about 100 students from around 20 between 15 and 20 different countries that that join each time that we run the course, which we, we offer the course four times a year. And so things things are, uh, I think, growing rapidly. But yeah, so we have about 100 students, which is really fun and a blessing yeah, to be a part yeah. of. So um, talk to us a little bit about Ananda.org because it's a very dynamic um, organization, and I would encourage listeners to check it out. Um, and you are the director. Is this the right title? We don't have titles. Come on, when you're in a monastery, no. But um, your your role, and if you talk a little bit about your role, but also about the offerings, because there's a lot um, a lot to fill that need and, and, you know, starting, mm-hmm. I would say with lessons and meditation, but then there's so much more beyond with the classes and the workshops. And then you have expanding light where you can go on retreats mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, right. so just talk us through that. Okay. Well, in a very short way of understanding things, um, I have wanted to just to say that it's been a blessing to serve online uh, since I arrived here in 2014, and uh, I'm now directing our uh, community and courses and live broadcasts, and and also I'm a part of a a team that now is trying to coordinate a lot, much larger integration of many of our different offerings and departments to refine and to expand how we're serving and supporting individuals. Uh, from from all spiritual paths. And so right now, currently, um, you know, we have this very dynamic uh, online experience for in, individuals who are seeking meditation, seeking in particular uh, the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, or just if they're looking for guidance, spiritual guidance. And so a few different aspects of what we do online is that we have many courses that are focused around the teachings of Yogananda. And this varies from different topics relating to health and healing, to learning about um, the chakras, learning about how to deepen and refine your relationships, uh, learning about karma and reincarnation. Uh, So different related topics surrounding around uh, philosophy or uh, other areas of, of interest on the spiritual path. But one of our main focuses, of course, is uh, teaching the path of Kriya Yoga. So one of the specific missions that Paramahansa Yogananda came to the West with is to spread the teachings in the practice of Kriya Yoga. And so one of our main focuses is helping training people in their preparation to receive Kriya Yoga. 
And this happens in four steps. So there are four courses that a student will go through, which you all, you both have gone through. And so the first, of course, is lessons in meditation. And then we have the a Raja Yoga course, a course on discipleship, and then a Kriya preparation course. But this is one of our main focuses that we, for those who are interested in Kriya Yoga, we are here to, to guide students uh, every step of the way. And, but also we're here just to teach meditation. Uh, so we have other uh, opportunities for, for individuals to learn more about how they can establish a regular meditation routine, which is very important for uh, this process of, on, you know, revealing, you know, our, our true identity, our true self, or perhaps even revealing what our next step is in life. Meditation is so helpful uh, to get clarity in moving in the right direction. So we teach also meditation to those who are just very interested in perhaps learning different ways to live more peaceful or more, more joyful or more lovingly. And so uh, we have all of that as well that we offer. Um, <clears throat> the other thing we do, which I think is one of the more dynamic offerings that we have, is we have this vir a virtual community. And it's very reflective of the age that we're in right now. We are in Dopari Yuga, which many of you may be thinking, what's Dopari Yuga? <laughs> well, Dopari Yuga, you could just say that there are cycles of time. And dependent upon what cycle of time that we're in, there's different uh, focuses on how things evolve. And, and these so, are very, very broad spanses of time. 24,000 year cycles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. Sarah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, it's something, if you're interested in learning more about the yugas, it's something uh, you... I would I would uh, recommend checking that out. Even if you just Google the yugas, you could check that out. But Swami Teshwar, who is the guru of Paramahansa Yogananda, wrote a book called The Holy Science. And this book is a really deep, expansive book that if you ever want to check that out, uh, he speaks a lot about this, um, understanding the yugas and also understanding more clearly where we're at in our relationship to that uh, period of time that we're in and how to best utilize it for our spiritual growth. And so <clears throat> we are in the age of energy right now to simplify things. We're in the age of energy. So uh, refining our awareness of understanding how to work with energy becomes the most important aspect of how we can grow and expand. And so with that being said, um, I think that the virtual community is a real nice reflection of this age of energy where time and space begins to dissolve. And you can tune in to energy uh, more easily in feeling that connection, sort of that it's all contained in the present moment. And I think we're seeing this also in many other aspects of life that, you know, one, you can call someone in China right now and you can FaceTime with them, you can Skype with them, you can see them and, you know, exchange ideas. And so we're really busting through this uh, material age of fixed material, solid uh, 
ideas into a much more expansive flowing uh, connection with other people and ourself and also spiritually. So the virtual community, which we have as an offering online, is a place that spiritual seekers and we have, uh, I think the majority of the community are people who are disciples or people who have Kriya and uh, also people who are interested in the teachings of Yogananda. And it's a place where we come together to support each other and we have many live uh, offerings. So satsangs and uh, guided meditations and events that we celebrate together online, but it's a vibrant online community that individuals in the community can exchange ideas, can support each other in, in developing a deeper soul connection, which is one that is always uh, receiving inspiration, but also then giving inspiration. So there's this beautiful relationship that we uh, develop in the virtual community where we we basically are just focused on supporting individual spiritual growth. And uh, so that's one of the most beautiful things that I've been uh, very grateful that I've been be able to uh, to be a part of is just seeing how um, how alive an online community can be and how much it can impact and influence individuals who are seeking support and in, in really helping them, stay in tune with their higher self and continuing to move forward on this, this climb toward uh, self-realization. And so uh, we also have many offerings that we share through blogs and other things online that are, we're just focused on one thing, which really is to share our guru, share Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings, which filter into every aspect of life of how we can improve ourself, how we can improve every aspect into one that will turn into, you know, a life of beauty, a life of joy. Mm. And uh, so it's a real blessing to, to be a part of it. And both me and Cara can, of course, testify on this. And we're very grateful that there is an online community and all these online courses. We would not be here having this podcast if it wasn't for those courses. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I mean... We have experienced energy going through the courses and learning everything. And I mean, especially in this time where everyone is so busy, if it wasn't for online, it wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have mm -hmm. had the time. I didn't have it because of the life circumstances I was in. Um, and it's really a great opportunity. But I'm curious to know, for you being there guiding people, Is there something you can see in the eight-week uh, course, like the shift of energy? I know it from my own perspective, and I know for you as well, Cara. Absolutely. I think we can testify only what happened in those eight weeks. I would say it really changed my life. It's so mm -hmm. cliche, but that's true. And what does it look like for you on the other side? When you, because people write in. You don't know that. but So every week you get to write. Is it every week? I think so, right? You have small right. assignments and right. you give feedback so you would get a sense and see people's transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's one of the most beautiful things that, uh, again, I'm very grateful that I've gained the opportunity to uh, to be a part of it because 
<clears throat> I've now been doing it for about five years, and I've we've had thousands of students come through our course. And I think that what you just said, Alessandra, that you're based on your own experience of how much can change in such a, a small amount of time, I think is really what I see with almost everyone who comes through the course. And this is thousands of people. It's not just 10% of people who come that really feel a big shift in their life. But I would say almost, almost all of the students who come experience a shift in their life, which opens them up to what their next step is, which that step, what, this is what's so beautiful is that I can see based on after I you know, uh, connect with the students that that step that unfolds for them, they might have been waiting to take that step for 40 years. They might have been wow. waiting for that step their whole life. And so being a part of that sacred time where they, they're at that place of readiness, either through something happened in their life, which was the catalyst to prod them and push them to that point of not having so much of a choice of being ready to take that step and be open. But the course really, it, it nurtures that, uh, that time with the student. And that's what I think is most important is to nurture their, uh, where they're at. Because <clears throat> when they then take that step after they perhaps have been waiting their whole life for, everything begins to change in their life. It's not even just that next step, which in their consciousness was, it was important for them to take this next step to create change in their life, which would perhaps allow more joy or more love or a different approach toward their life. But the most beautiful thing is that step unfolds for them. They then rejoice in that realization that they're in a new, uh, a new place in their life that they feel so much more happy and joyful about. But more than that is they notice that that next step for them also has changed and for some people, everything in their life. And I think that the most precious situations that I have found have been the students who come who have been suffering for a long time or perhaps come into the course and then their life changes such that great suffering comes through perhaps an illness of uh, a loved one or perhaps they themselves begin to experience really challenging times physically or emotionally <clears throat> and to see how much the course was really uh, woven into the, the larger change that was happening in their life uh, is one of great power in, in sacredness. And I think that, um, the stories that have unfolded for people that I've seen, it's not just even changes of perhaps more joy or they get a new job or they're not fighting so much with their son or their partner. Uh, it, that, I see that all of the time. But I think one of the largest shifts that I see is 
people begin to feel, perhaps for the first time in this life, the love of God. They begin to experience the love of the divine in their life. And I think that that is probably the most, the one of the biggest shifts that I see in people is they have that moment of the absolute certainty that they are loved and they have access to this place within themselves that is the source of that love. And they then see from that perspective that all of their relationships are all just a continuation of that love. And that's what really is changing people. And students, this happens for many people. And I think that is one of the most precious things that anyone could be a part of, of witnessing and in being a part of that unfoldment. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. beautiful. Jatendra, this has been really wonderful. And what's funny is, you know, this is another time where we are we are really expanding in the sense of time and space in the fact that you're in California, I'm in Indiana, Alessandra is in Sweden. So we yeah. are crossing like many, many hours of from a time zone perspective. And so it's it's fairly early in the morning for you and you're not a morning person as you shared. Jatendra was worried that his mind wasn't going to be turned on. And here you are, you've talked about Dwipara yeah. Yoga Yuga and you know, some pretty expansive and big topics. So uh, bravo. <laughs> Thank you. It is, you know, it is 941 here. So well, now I it think, is. Uh, yeah. Thanks now for making you... it up so early. Yes. <laughs> <Thank right. you. laughs> but we really, Thank really you. appreciate your time. And I've really enjoyed hearing your, your fascinating journey. And mm. thank yes. you for sharing. Thank you very much. Us. Yeah. Thank you both. And many blessings as you continue serving people and just, uh, sharing the joy thank you and we'll share a link to ananda.org if in case anyone was interested and would like to join the course or any course that ananda offers absolutely good thank you thanks so much okay well many blessings many Have a blessings. beautiful day thank bye. you bye bye please help us build this podcast there are things that you can do which really help us, like writing a review or uh, rating or downloading the episode, subscribing, if you can share it, if you have people in your life who you think would enjoy this podcast, um, just sharing it with them really helps or sharing on social media or whatever you feel inspired to do. All those things obviously are free. Um, but they help us to grow. So we would be so grateful for your help in that regard. And we look forward to the next meditation conversation.